Welcome to the Future of Everything podcast with world-renowned futurist and best-selling author, Nick Webb. In this episode, Nick will share the big future trends that are impacting your organization in the areas of innovation, emerging technologies, leadership, and the rapidly changing workplace. Get ready to see the future. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Webb. Hi, this is Nick Webb, and welcome to another episode of The Nick Webb Show. Well, today we're going to talk about tip 11 of the 24 tips for 2024 to thrive and prosper as an organization and as a leader. Today is tip 11 on how to evolve your remote work policies and practices. This is incredibly important. In fact, I would suggest that billions of dollars are wasted every single month in the United States, collectively by organizations that aren't getting this. And so what I'm going to do is cover five points that I would like you to consider as you think about your approach towards remote and hybrid work. Now, before we go any farther, I am here as your humble servant. I am completely agnostic as it, re- as it relates to the philosophy of remote, hybrid, and at-work office structures. By that, I mean, it's up to you. It's your organization. You get to choose. You shouldn't feel pressured to have people work in a hybrid environment or in a fully remote environment. If you think all of your people should show up, then that's a legitimate thing to think. That's your philosophy. So I'm not going to recommend that you choose a different philosophy because chances are your philosophy is yours. And I'm not saying that one is right or wrong. I will say this is that the data shows that you can have just as productive employees that are working remotely or working in a hybrid environment as you do when they're working in a captive office environment. There's there's no reduction in productivity when done right. The caveat, the big asterisk here is that the overwhelming majority of the organizations do not, under any circumstances, have any bloody idea as to what they're doing when it comes to managing remote and hybrid workers. I mean, let's do a little checklist here. Number one, do you have certified formal training for employees that manage remote workers? If you don't, you will fail and lose lots and lots of money. Question number two, do you have certification and enabling training for employees that are working remotely? If you answered no, you're going to have really low productivity and your return on human capital will be a disaster. Number three, do you have a formal strategy not just a policy, but you have a strategy and practices in place to optimize productivity and employee yield while concurrently delivering beautiful, thoughtful, loving experiences for the employees that serve your mission every day. If you don't, you will fail. In fact, I could spend this entire podcast talking about this checklist, and the chances are that most of these you're going to check no. You probably aren't there yet. So this is really about where are you in terms of remote work maturity or what is your maturity model around the policies, practices, and infrastructure to make remote and hybrid work work correctly. 
Okay. So again, it's up to you. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do it. You can get productivity when people come into the office and you can get productivity when people don't come into the office. You can get productivity when people come into the office and when people come into the office sometimes. All of these work, but they have very, very different strategies and they do have to have formal strategies. We recommend or I'll recommend to you here what we call sprints, weekly sprints, because these provide proof that your employees that are working remotely are being productive. It also provides them a support system and the necessary uh, instruction and incentives to continue to work and be productive. All of that stuff has to be in play. Okay. Since I don't have much time to tell you something that takes about eight hours to explain, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. Okay. First of all, I would like you to consider tip one is I'd like you to consider the worker's perspective. You know, during COVID, they were put into a situation where they didn't have much compartmentalization. In other words, they didn't, they weren't set up yet to really be compartmentalized. Their work life and their home life was really one and the same. And they haven't really, they didn't develop uh, a sense of the best practices, how to, to, how to d- divide those two. But they did like the idea that they were saving 40 hours a week, not being on a freeway and commuting to work. They liked that idea a lot. They liked the fact that they could do uninterrupted work that was not being interrupted at the water cooler or somebody tapping on your shoulder, right? So the productivity increases that they were experiencing were legitimate and real, but they were also enjoying maybe a little bit better quality of work life because they're home sooner. If they wanted to start something in their Instapot for dinner, they were able to do it at two o'clock so that when five or six o'clock came around, their dinner was done. There's nothing wrong with that, right? So there were ways that they made their life better. And if they were managed proper, chances are there were ways that they made your life better, even better than them coming into the office. So from the worker's perspective, when they're saying, work from home now canceled, then they're struggling to understand why. They want to know why. And one thing, if you do decide to have an R2O policy, a return to office policy and mandate, it is important, and I think you owe it to the employees to explain to them how um, they're going to address those interruptions and some of those other challenges that they were now able to pretty much eliminate. I think you need to explain to them how it is that they're going to be more productive at work rather than they're at home. Now, you could say we don't know that to them, but I think you do. I think you need to let that employee that's there to serve your mission and their, and your customers every day understand why this matters. And, and there are a lot of reasons why it matters. It can matter through collaboration. There was a study that was found that one major computer company, their innovations fell off the cliff when they started remote work, that people tend to need to be together. Uh, We see that collaboration happens in the hallways and in the break room and at lunch counters. So there is an important, we're tribal and we're collaborative communities. And I think that being together at work is a better experience overall in terms of driving innovation and productivity overall. Now there's ways to use ESNs and other kinds of collaborative processes, but in some ways they're clunky, right? So, oops, I guess I just told you my prejudice here. I believe working at an office has many, many, many benefits over having remote workers, but we can still make them just as productive, maybe slightly less innovative. And again, that's just my opinion. Okay, so the first thing that I would like you to consider is really, 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 before you begin your policy, understand the worker's perspective 
<clears throat> about why they want remote or hybrid work so that when you address and communicate and engage them, you can create good messaging and good linkage to what they're concerned about and what they're looking for. So understand your worker's perspective. Tip one. Uh, tip two, you must have an R2O policy if you're expecting people to return to work full time or in a hybrid environment. And the policy basically says, here's how much you need to be in the office. Here's how much you can be home. Here's how you connect to our systems, tools, and processes, our, our sprint planning, and our, our meetings, and the things that we do at work while you're at home to make sure you're productive. So it's more than just saying, here's how, how often you need to be in the office. It also really talks about how you leverage a, a range of systems. We use what we call remote sprints, and they work really, really good to have productive remote workers. So you need to make that really, really clear to the employees, to managers, and you also have to build out the technological support. I think it's really critical to have uh, productivity dashboards that are connected to your sprint initiatives. So nobody can suggest that the employees are less productive when they're at home than they're in the office. We should always measure, measure productivity. And when you build out your R2O policy, you've got to make sure that you've got the sprint systems in place, which I'll explain in more detail, and that you have a productivity uh, dashboard to take a look at how work is being done and measured across each employee. All right, that's tip number two. Tip three, measure and manage. So <clears throat> what we do, and if you email me, I can send you a Excel spreadsheet template that we use in our own practice and, and we use with our clients that sets up a Monday morning sprint. And the sprint is surgically connected to your departmental and ultimately your enterprise goals. And it basically says that Sally is going to do X, Y, and Z this week. And this is what we expect midweek and end of week to look like in terms of what we're going to accomplish. During the Monday morning sprint meeting, which should only last an hour, we verify that everybody feels as if that's a reasonable workload and that they have been given the proper resources to achieve the goals as set forth in the sprint. The other thing that's important about a sprint is a certain amount of social engagement and a certain amount of uh, gamification associated with it. I like to use enterprise social networks and other tools. You can even build these out in SharePoint that allow us to make sure everybody sees what everybody else is doing and they can look at everybody else's progress. This is so important. It doubles productivity, at least doubles productivity, because Sally sees what Mike and Karen are doing, and she or he can determine where they are in terms of the collective goal of the department, work group, uh, or even organization. So you have to build out this sprints. Now, Monday morning sprints get deployed. Uh, when you take a look at Zoom meetings and, and team meetings, you look at those as worst case scenario. Meetings means something went wrong. So you're not scheduling meetings to talk about what you're going to talk about and then talk about what you talked about. We're not doing that. Not <clears throat> if we want to be productive. So we're going to say what we're going to do. And then we're going to have a quick check on Wednesday. And this is an all-hands status report meeting where we all get in, see how everybody's doing, see if you need to do any course corrections. These meetings should last no more than an hour. Everybody's happy. Everybody's got resources. Nobody feels that they've got more work than they need. And you let them out. 
and off they go again. Right. And then on Friday is the postmortem where we go over what we did. And at that time, people should be quickly reviewing their productivity and work. If there's barriers to completion, those are discussed. If there are resource gaps, those are discussed. And then we move on to the next week. So what this does is it leverages gamification and social engagement. So all workers see everybody else's productivity flow in ether that encourages them to be productive. And it also holds them accountable to a work, uh, to a, to a sprint work package. Um, now there's another thing that I do. I do wellness checks and, um, these wellness checks are, I call people, uh, every day, every other day and just say, Hey, how's it going? And just want to make sure everything's okay, that you're happy, that you're heard, that you're listened to, that there are no problems. There's nothing else I can do to help support you. These are genuine, honest people caring about the human. Forget the work. I'm calling as a wellness check to see if you're okay. Is there mental health resources? Is there health and wellness resources? Is there more tools I can provide you? Is there something I can do to help lighten your load? Do you feel like the amount of work you're getting right now is reasonable? Um, is there anything else that we can provide to help? Okay, that's what uh, I believe is an important part that has to be folded into your measurements and the management of productivity. Now, remember, we're going to double productivity using this method. We're going to double, at least double productivity. But at the same time, we're going to make sure that our people are okay and that we're being good stewards of these people who trust us to, to serve them. So that's how that part works. Now, keep in mind, and I'll talk about this in the next one. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it right now. The second piece is investing in remote leadership training. Again, I'm giving you a really, really fast primer on what's required to do this. But the truth of the matter is, you really should go through at, at our company, Learn Logic. We have a certified uh, remote leader training program, and we have a certified remote worker training program. And they're very, very different. You know, we have this idea that the stuff that we know as a captive leader applies to remote leadership, and it just doesn't. It's a completely new skill set when you're trying to manage remote teams. And so if your leaders and managers have not been trained on leading remote teams, chances are they're operating at a sustained level of incompetency. They have to know how to run sprints. They have to know how to create the equilibrium, the engagement, the gamification, the social engagement, the ideation, the wellness checks, the, the, and the list goes on and on and on, right? You've got to learn all of this stuff. It doesn't happen automatically. And one thing we have learned from our research is even the best leaders, and we get the great honor of working with so many great leaders and managers as clients, <clears throat> we find that really they're just clueless as what to do when it comes to managing a remote team. And so there you go. We got to make sure that our leaders are trained, the people that are managing the work groups, but so does the workers. Workers need to know how to manage what we call compartmentalization. And that is what do we do to really create the divisibility between our work life and our home life so that we don't blur the lines. 
And this is not just good for the employer. It's very, very good for the employee because we teach them how to shut off and to compartmentalize work at work by creating places to work and places to live, uh, times to work and times to live, things to do and things to avoid, how to really have a healthy relationship between the time you spend at work and the time that you spend at home, even though today for many employees, it's the same physical location. The other thing that we talk about is managing relationships, and that can be kids, it can be spouses, it can be whatever, but how do we manage relationships when we're working in the, at home? Another thing that we cover in that training, which I suggest you include in your training, is that Zoom is the new storefront. Let me restate that. Zoom is the new storefront. Your brand, your reputation is based on the visual imagery that a client, a prospect, a partner sees during Zoom conversations. It is amazing to me how many people, (laughs) it's so bad, are showing up at Zoom meetings with essentially pajamas on in a really, really messy environment, and it looks really bad. Look, at the end of the day, We live in a superficial world and people judge us superficially. If you've ever been on a Zoom call with me, I've got a sports coat on. I'm standing up inside of a studio. I have professional lighting. I have a lavalier microphone. I will never go on a Zoom call unless I'm ready to put my best foot forward. The good news is, is that for about $100, you can provide professional audio and fill lighting and training to employees so they can represent themselves and their brand in a way that's professional. So there you go. We need to train our leaders, our managers, and our employees on how to do this well. Okay, before I go into the last tip, let me kind of review what we've covered so far. Number one, understand your worker's perspective. Number two, you must have an R2O policy and procedures and support systems. Number three, measure and manage productivity. Number four, invest in remote leadership training and employee remote work training. My last tip here before I run out of time is prioritize happiness and wellness. Everything that you do Every decision you make starts with a thoughtful love and care for that employee. So make sure and put that as the very most important thing. Then we worry about productivity. Then we worry about what's in the best interest for the organization. All right. I hope this, uh, uh, this podcast gave you some insights. It's just the beginning. If you have questions, reach out to me. I could be glad to send you a copy of a sprint ship spreadsheet, show you what that looks like. I know that you're going to thrive and prosper this year, and I'm so excited to be a small part of that great, great adventure. Until next time.